We are shows what you know. We'll always watch TV. And if you think we can't, we'll watch more and you'll see. That's why the people of the web believe in Jim from Las Vegas and Jacob from Sweden. Extra, extra, charming guardian married off to sweet and innocent child bride. It's a heartwarming story that you can read all about on page four of this week's Gilead Gazette. I am Jacob Burrows. And I'm Jim Scampoli. We are back. We are back here after a small sabbatical here from the Gilead Gazette. It was almost like we've, we were sent such good weather that we yeah. couldn't help but enjoy it for a little while. And uh, now we're back to discuss episodes five and six of season two of The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, uh, episode five is titled Seeds, and episode t- uh, six is titled First Blood. Ooh. I almost I almost started with a very different extra extra, just yelling the end of se- of episode six, because that's a much more newsworthy type thing to do um but i realized if you're watching episode by episode you may have just automatically played the next episode and maybe you just watched episode five i thought i better not yell the ending of episode six right that right at the start there but we did skip and uh, skip one week because jim enjoyed the good weather uh on a little <laughs> vacation and now we're back so uh we're gonna talk about both episodes uh initial initial thoughts jim now I understand, like episode six has the uh, more explosive climax, if you will. Mm, uh, yeah. I actually saw a headline that said uh, it was the most explosive episode yet, and I rolled my eyes. Uh, I will cool. say though, I feel episode five is the best episode of this season. Hmm. It what just the, it. What, what makes you feel like that? I don't know. It really worked for me. Like, uh, like. I mean, coming off of episode four, where in we we talked a lot at length about the misery porn that is The Handmaid's Tale uh, in a lot right. of cases, and episode five does continue that quite a bit because we did leave off with kind of more zombified Offred, uh, who kind of escaped inward. Uh, we don't really spend too long with that Offred. I mean, episode five explores that a bit, but by... I guess it just I liked that even though even though it was like such a short amount of time, the way episode five plays out, it really worked for me and it hit on that level of like I bought that kind of June was coming back a little bit. And yeah, I mean, we'll get we'll get into a little bit more of some of the some of the specifics, but finding the small victories and the small like beacons of hope. Maybe it was just that this show beat me so down that even these small things like really like resonated with me kind of in a bigger way than some of like the big moment of episodes six did. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, even though we are a Gilead Gazette, a Gilead news station, I am frustrated with almost every review of everything I've ever seen about The Handmaid's Tale because it will always endeavor to spoil me in some way. Uh, Like something popped up so I knew that uh, so I knew Nick would get married and something uh, let me know that there was a huge twist at the end of episode six. Mm. And uh, I mean, I'm not like complaining. That doesn't ruin the experience in any way. But it is sort of frustrating when you're trying to enjoy the little moments uh, and not just wonder when's the big thing going to happen. Because you're right, it was explosive at the end of episode six. But I also feel like it's, it's, if it doesn't involve my main crew that I care about, I'm not going to care as much. Like June coming back at the ep- end of episode five is more important than an explosion where none of our main favorite characters are, except the commander, who we obviously all love, uh, who uh, <laughs> who is there. But, I mean, he's not dead. Like, there's no fucking way he's dead. Maybe he loses a leg or something. I don't know. It would be interesting. But I, there's no way he's dead. So uh, I, it, it is more impactful at the end when of episode five when uh, June reappears under the covers. Yes. Yeah. And I guess it kind of, um, it's kind of like a good, these are two, uh, th- 
if we're going to discuss two episodes at once, I feel like these are two, uh, like a perfect little moment here uh, for these two episodes. Um, because yeah, I mean, episode five, yeah, we kind of get like the, uh, the, the true handmade version of June or offered, if you will. And, you know, kind of starts off. She's even like burning the letters because it's like, I'm not supposed to have these. I am not supposed to be out of my room after dark. Uh, and it's like all hope is lost. And then we check back in uh, with the colonies and we see Emily and Janine. And uh, we've talked a lot about any show. I mean, we do shows, which, you know, we talk about a bunch of TV shows. Um, and we always talk about like how when people praise the look of something. And at least one of my points of view on that is almost anything's going to look good these days if it's on a major network, whether it be streaming network or television network or what have you. But... Uh, and true hypocrisy, I do want to call out. I feel like especially this episode five, th- everything feels very um, deliberate. And I was That was the word on the tip of my tongue to great. describe yeah. what you're talking about as well. Uh, because things look great. You have great like lenses and shit. But when they do stuff consciously and make an effort, that's also exactly how I felt watching this. Yes, and, and especially like... Some of the shots of the colonies, we got these wide shots of just these kind of like infinite fields of, you know, like death, basically. It's like these dead lands and we see like the, 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 these women that are very small on the horizon and like this great, like an infinite, infinity that they have to fight or, or try to uh, win against when clearly like they even say in the show, we work, we die. We come here, we work and then we die. And it feels like such an insurmountable thing. And then specifically too, like, I mean, throughout this episode, we have zombie uh, Offred, but, you know, she's spotting and she's, you know, got blood in her uh, panties and like all over her clothes because, you know, as what we're thinking as the audience is that the baby is dying. And of course, that's what you would think. And she doesn't say anything because what is she supposed to do if she does say anything like that's the major rule that uh, that she can't break is don't let this baby die. Um, And there's that specific shot when she's in the tub. And there's the reflection of her in the bloody water. And it's like, I guess to be uh, my read to be like a pretentious douche is like I see Offred and then I see June in the reflection and it's telling me, I don't know, it's just telling me so much and I was really like taken aback by a lot of the visuals in this episode. I thought it was great. Yeah, you're, I mean, I was I was sniggering a little <laughs> bit, but you're not wrong. Like, it's all in there. They put a deliberate effort into making the film itself tell you what's going on. I don't, is there is there voiceover in episode five? No. Um, yeah, no. no, another great choice. Uh, another, like, I mean, we were left off with the droning of we've been sent good weather, and now it's an offered episode, but we're not getting the usual winks to us, the audience, like the usual pieces of hope that we kind of get. Uh, yeah, there's no voiceover. Yeah, which as well, like in season one, even though I, you know, they, they've used it fairly well, it's also... Uh, clearly the best choice for here to, to to give us a contrast to season one and also just to make it feel empty and desolate and everything going on she is not really there and she's like even the way they sh- shoot some things like when she's stepping on the scales we don't see her face we're we're behind her she's facing away from us when she's out walking with serena we're outside of the wings or whatever they call it the white thing we're we're outside that we're with serena trying who's trying even to peek in who wants offred to be uh aggressive or or at least a little bit of her usual witty self and not just this zombie because that can't be good either um so so a lot of good choices yes i mean even to the point like you said of how we're not seeing her face it, I, I almost started getting the feel of like when that happens in a horror movie, it's because there's going to be a reveal that she's like mangled or whatever. Not that I thought that was going to happen, but I was getting uncomfortable with the way they were shooting her that felt like something was going to happen or some reveal was going to happen. Uh, so it was, it was very effective. And even like 
Fiona and Kit. I don't know anything about Fiona and Kit, but I love Fiona and Kit. <laughs> Those are the two uh, women uh, in the colonies that have this relationship. And it's like, that's why one of the greatest praises I can give is that it's just these two characters that pop up in an episode and I cared so much about them and it really like affected me when they had a wedding. I mean, and I mean, obviously we see another wedding in this episode as well with Nick, uh, <laughs> Nick's wedding, but it really affected me. Um, and it, it like kind of the, the uh, like naivete of Janine is mm-hmm. giving this like life to hopelessness uh and just these small victories i don't know it it, it all it all played so well for me yeah and rory gilmore doesn't like that yeah because (laughs) because she has been she's been controlling the misery and limiting it and being able to do this and you can't be in here experiencing joy or relief because we come here we work we die um and i think i mean and even the argument at the end there when she's mad uh, because you've done these things, it's uh, like she's wrong, but she's right. And in her naivete, she is right still. But well, then every bit of joy can be used against you as well. Yes, and I and I I also I I do completely agree with Emily as well because it does feel like if you're making the best of the situation, you're like letting them win in a way. Like you shouldn't accept any of this. Yeah, but then you also should find those moments because it's going to give you the strength to like build something. And the fact that these women have each other and the fact that the, the, you know, little ceremony they had, it wasn't just for Fiona and Kit. You could see that the other women that are stuck in the situation had a little bit more life to them because they were able to at least have a little bit, little piece of joy in such a horrible situation. Yeah, and I'll say this, which is sort of about both episodes, but I guess mainly about episode five, that we expressed a bit of concern earlier that we were just going to go back to season one, like that we had all we were sort of sick of being in this situation where, oh, no, no, like this is the format you're off red. So and then she's going to rebel and do these things. And and uh, it's really shown us, I think, especially episode five, that there's still material here to explore, even if we hate it, even yeah. if we don't want to be here. It's like, well, this is the this is the concept of the show, and if we were to head off and do warfare right now, we let we would have left this. Uh, not totally explored because we're going different places than we did in season one. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, uh, like we've talked a lot about, um, excuse me, like the situation with like the Econo wives and who can get pregnant and who can't. And now we're kind of getting a little bit more of that as we see these, uh, as we see Nick and the other, are they eyes? Is that what they are? Well, no, I he's, is like it's a secret that he's, he's an eye. He's secretly yeah, okay, um, that's what it was. He's secretly an eye. He's basically just a driver or like a first lieutenant type deal. Yeah, like a, a guardian. Is guardian. What they him. That's what it was. Uh, as we see, yeah, the guardians all getting married. And at first, I wasn't sure because at first I'm like, wait, are these supposed to be really young girls? And then I mean, they do explicitly state it. Uh, so it's like another piece, but it's about like. Because you know he's telling them how he has to. They're going to have children. They're going to have a family. And I guess. It's the next step. Like maybe you're a guardian. Maybe you could get to the point where you're a commander, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I, um, I get the feeling from Fred, uh, Commander Fred, that Waterford, that he, um, I mean, he is. He knows because Serena told him he knows Nick is the father of the baby. So there's a lot of resentment going on throughout these. But he doesn't say like. I mean, he doesn't want or he he can't really do something bad to Nick. So he actually goes and says, can we please promote this guy? So he goes away maybe to Washington. So he's not that like, (laughs) I mean, he's, uh, he's a monster, but he's not like going to kill him for vengeance. And I think it's almost tied into his religion of like, well, like Nick is not a bad man because of this, but I want him the fuck out of my house and I'm going to promote him. And I, I, or want, I'm going to ask for him to get promoted, and I guess this is part of it. 
there, there it is a mention uh, in the second episode of these as well that um, Serena says like, oh, don't you want to run a household of your own one day? And I feel like a household is not an Econo wife thing. That's like if you get if you get promoted. And I guess if anyone were to become a new commander, it would be someone like Nick who's doing a good job. Yes, yeah, and we do. He marries, uh, which we later find out she's 15. I mean, we know that they're young. I just wasn't sure how young. And then he does mention she's 15. Uh, his wife, Eden, who, uh, if you watched Everything Sucks, we do get a character from Everything Sucks. She played Emmeline. It was actually yes. bugging me as I was watching because I was like, where have I seen this actress before? Uh, and I had to look it up. I couldn't just uh, do it off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, Everything Sucks, a... Much too earlyly cancelled um, uh, Netflix teen drama where she plays a very different character. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's probably because she got all her hair hidden up in there that it's like, I have no idea who this face <laughs> is because I just remember her rocking out with her long hair before. Um, but yes, she's, she. I mean, it's a, it's a valid question you had of how old are they supposed to be because she is actually 20 years old, the actress. Uh-huh. Um, but it, they still, I mean... They make it pretty pretty plain that these are some young girls. As you said, it gives us a kind of a piece of the puzzle of, well, there are seemingly a lot of girls who are around the age of 15, so how long ago would, did these fertility problems start? Uh, and next episode, we get even more explicit, yes. because I've been saying, where are the numbers? Yeah. And uh, we'll get into the next episode in a bit, but Serena says, you know, fertility's down about 60% in 12 months. Um, I think, which is uh, a lot when we can assume it got even worse than that, but we can also assume it's not as bad as we originally thought. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, through most of this episode, it does feel like uh, we're just kind of going through the standard Handmaid's Tale motions because it is like, uh, you know, Offred's getting bloodier and bloodier as this episode goes, and it just feels like it's such tragedy. Uh, and then it is basically a twist that the baby is still alive uh, at the end uh, but it's such a great moment when yeah we see june under the covers having the moment with their unborn baby and saying like i'm not gonna let you grow up here i'm gonna get us out of here and it's like she's back and and again it's that we it's the look into the camera again that we saw in the previous episode but it's like we're seeing life there yeah. uh and even though it, 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 it's arguable that it's almost too soon, but it's not because this show is such a downer. It's like we need this moment, you know. We we need we we need these moments to kind of hold on to. I mean, much like these characters. I, I, obviously, I'm being melodramatic because we're watching a TV yeah. show, and if they were living <laughs> through this actual life, but it's like no, we need these victories. Yeah. I don't think it was, I, I think it was just the right amount of time. And that's why the episode worked for you so well and, and well for me as well, I think. Because uh, if we had like, I, I was sort of dreading that this would be three episodes until we got to this point. Yeah. And the movement they've introduced makes me way hopeful uh, for, for the rest of the season. Which I guess brings us to uh, episode six, where she is clearly back. and the And the main thing here is sort of that Serena is trying to be nice like that's what this episode is about and um june and i was annoyed that my subtitles referred to as offred after this point uh (laughs) but uh june is trying to i mean she's 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 just making small moves she's not doing anything crazy she's sort of getting a slightly better position to be able to do something at some point. Yes, yeah. I mean, uh, we open up with the Doctor, and to call out another actor from another show, we get to see Donnie from Orphan Black as the Doctor. I was very excited. I don't know if you watched Orphan Black or not, but that was Donnie as the Doctor, uh, and I missed him, so I was glad to see him. I watched uh, season one of, uh, uh, of that one. Is it the same doctor that offered to impregnate her in season one, or did we never see his face? Maybe I don't remember. Oh, maybe it is. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Hmm. But well, what? Oh, Good. Now I was just gonna say we see the baby, and Serena offers to show the baby, which um, which Donnie from from our or from Black is like, oh, what? You show him the baby, meaning that Serena's not only acting like a regular human being; she's even going a bit further than. Uh, most mistresses would. Yes, because it does make, like, 
when when you see June being able to see the baby, it starts to make sense in a twisted way on why they keep the handmaid separated like that. Yeah. Because it's like clearly like keep the the less connection the better. Uh, you're gonna have another Janine situation on your hands. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's hard enough to to steal a baby from a mother. Never mind if they're like going through the whole thing, seeing the uh, sonograms and getting that connection. And yeah, like I like because me watching it, I'm the same as June. I'm like, why is she acting this? Why is Serena being nice? What is the fucking? What's the 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 end game here? You know, what is she up to? Uh, and they kind of they string us along really nicely throughout the episode and kind of give us in the same way that June gets this false sense of security where she can kind of make a like a leap of faith and ask to try to see her daughter. But I mean, we'll get there. But uh, the build to it, I think, is done pretty well. Yeah. I mean, what's the answer to that question then why she's acting like this? Is it just that there should be harmony in the household for the baby's sake? I think it's a little of that. And I think, I mean, the thing is, I hate Serena. Like, I hate her. But I do believe that she thinks it's her baby uh, based on this, like, weird society they've built. And I guess as we see through some of the flashbacks, it's kind of like her only hope now anyways. Because we've already seen her get shut out of the society she helped create. So all she has left is to be a mother. Uh, and it kind of is like this almost losing the baby, like the same what we just went through in the previous episode, maybe knocked a little bit of sense into her and a little bit more trust, uh, where, yeah, it's kind of for the greater good until it, until it isn't. Yes. So she even uh, brings uh, June down to, to be in the sitting room and sleep there and gives her all sorts of little treats and surprises very surprising surprises um and i mean it has it is almost like a connection and as you said a sort of stringing along thing growing because she just a couple of episodes ago she was sneaking into offred's bed to put her hand on her stomach in the middle of the night and now uh june actually offers do you want to feel it and she sort of waits for that permission. And then she looks heartbroken when June gives that permission to the other handmaids as if it's her permission to give. Mm. Uh, it's a complex situation because if she was a character who was just plucked out of nowhere, uh, she, she I don't know, she wouldn't have the same internal conflict of, I did this, I was even more of a leader than my husband, as we see. And uh, I was a spokesperson, and I was I made this happen, and now I can't even fucking write like the ants can. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and we do get these flashbacks of Serena. And at first, I kind of rolled my eyes at the kind of ripped from the headlines college campus speech that is uh, protested, and then you know it's the same arguments you hear, like let this person speak. This is America. We hear from someone who is now like a commander in Gilead that does not let people speak. Yeah. Um, I mostly rolled my eyes because it was almost, at first, I wasn't sure if they were going for a like, uh, you see, this is why we can't let them speak type deal. But I feel like in retrospect, because I've, I've, I've read some discussions on the First Blood title of this episode, and they mentioned the ending with the explosion, but I... I read the first blood is the fact that she gets fucking shot yeah. at one of her speeches. And in a weird way, it's like how you create these martyrs and you create like it pushes these extremists more extreme. And like it also like, you know, you as an extremist on the other end is more extreme. Like, I, I, I guess it's I appreciate that it was more complicated than what I initially thought they were going to go for with kind of this flashback here. Yeah, I thought when even when um, her assistant or whoever it is gets shot, I thought like, oh, and they're going to get in the car and drive away. And they're like, nope, Serena got shot. (laughs) And I can almost Um, assume that's why she can't have a a child or unless it's just a natural thing of how a lot of people can't. But I mean, it is kind of specific that she gets shot like almost in her groin kind of. Yeah, well, I don't know if you heard, Jim, but the rate of healthy births has dropped <laughs> 61% yeah. in the last oh. 12 months. Oh, so. shit, I missed but, this uh, yeah. uh, edition of the Gilead Gazette. 
Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. I, I mean, that's. A, I think that's a fair assumption, or it's fair. They've they've left it sort of vague. We don't really need to get into yeah. it. And maybe I even have like some vague memory of like maybe something is alluded to in season one in regards to that. Uh, I don't know. I feel like if she could have had a baby, she would have before then or during then, because she's literally going around campaigning to say that every woman needs to have a baby if they can. So uh, I don't know how much we can blame the shooter, but uh, it could be. Well, and it's interesting because, yeah, I, like I feel like the people on the right side, like I, I, I'm talking about correct, like the correct people, they draw first blood and almost make things worse. And then that puts it to the point, uh, because I read, I read one article that was talking about how the commander is putting words in Serena's mouth for her speech, and she's kind of a little bit more timid with the crowd. And that is true. I mean, that's there. But the big thing we see is that she's the one that tells him to be a man, and then it cuts to the next scene where he's like executing a woman in front of the presumed shooter. So yeah, I like, I like the real men do. Yeah, like I like the playoff. It's not cut and dry of like, oh, this misogynistic world that pushed Serena, the the men that pushed her to be the the mouthpiece. Uh, it's kind of a little bit of both. It's a back and forth. And the commander is a little bit more like a weeping, sad person after things get real. And she's the one that pushes him even further. And, you know, it starts with someone getting shot at a speech. And now we're at a point where someone is doing a suicide bombing at another speech. So it's like uh, two, it takes two to tango, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes uh the subtitle of our podcast <laughs> gilead gazette it takes two to tango um yeah i mean it's a nice movement because we start with preparing for the speech where he's adding some comments to her speech and but but i also get the feeling that she's not like oh yes of course she's kind of like eh, no i think this is better and then in the end after she gets shot, he's sort of breaking down, and he she is giving putting words in his mouth uh, about the speech that he needs to give because all eyes are on them. And I do feel like this is a sort of turning point of she was a leading figure in this movement, and then she became a martyr, and a martyr in this case, someone you need to protect and like put a put a wall around and yeah don't let them read by the way like <laughs> just uh she, she she sort of locked away and and that's uh i mean it's her own it's her own creation this situation but it's also got a bit of uh, yeah like you said she's like yeah be a man man up uh go kill <laughs> the woman is exactly what i meant by that yeah. by the way yeah yeah it's in- it, it's just an interesting way that things play out and i i mean I guess the way I'm talking, I'm not trying to side with the side of Gilead. I'm just saying it's interesting. They're ma- they're not making it as cut and dry, uh, like the journey to get here. Like it's almost like I could see that this act of you know what what people thought was a greater good, we need to kill this lady who has these horrible ideas, turned into this team of people that follow her are emboldened enough to make these terrorist attacks on the Capitol and really take over. Uh, It's just an interesting kind of journey there. And and, I mean, obviously by the end, it makes complete sense why I believe it's off Glenn that runs in with the bomb. Like, like it is a fuck. Yeah. Moment. It is what we've been talking about, like leading up through these episodes and discussing like all the bleakness and how we want a fuck. Yeah. Moment. It is a fuck. Yeah. Moment. And she's completely in the right. It's just interesting seeing both sides of that. And I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but is she, I mean, she had her tongue removed because of speaking out at the end of the last season, but I think she's also the one who replaced Emily. Yeah. As yeah. As, as, um, as uh, June's companion. And the sense we got then was that she was very sort of uh, like not on board, but she was not trying to rock the boat and she just blew up the boat. So there's <laughs> a lot of evolution within her as well, going from this person who doesn't want to do anything to upset anything because the previous person who was in my position got sent to the weird ass uh, colonies or whatever we call them. Um, so, so she's gotten to this point as well, being be, has become sort of emboldened. This wasn't the diehard uh, May Day leader. This was one of the handmaids who you pushed too far. Yes, yeah, and you have to wonder what's going on over in Commander Glenn's household. 
if uh, all these uh, <laughs> handmaids in his uh, order are falling into May Day. What's going on? They got their own Nick over there, apparently. Yes. Uh, speaking of Nick, we do get uh, his wife uh, confides in June um, about Nick and, you know, his duties that he's not taking part in, which is, you know, having sex with a 15-year-old girl. And she even kind of throws out like, oh, what is he, gay? I mean, she calls him a gender traitor. Like, maybe he's a gender traitor. And it's it's this interesting thing where June has to try to help Nick by telling him he needs to go have sex with his underage wife uh, because otherwise you're going to be hanging from a wall because <laughs> they're going to That's Gilead! Got to tell your, your the, the, mother, the father of your unborn child, your secret uh, uh, unborn child, to, to go have sex with his underage child bride because otherwise you'll be hanging off a wall. Typical Gilead. Aww. <laughs> And uh, I mean, get, following through on that storyline, there they have the the sh- the hole in the sheet thing they introduce. And uh, yeah. from my understanding, that's like a Jewish thing or like a Hasidic, like uh, very strict Jewish thing. So it is another interesting take. Like we've seen them pick and choose from different religions, uh, like especially in this uh, season. And I, I I don't know if that's their. Like, I've seen Margaret Atwood try to specify, like, we're not attacking, like, a specific religion here. It's just more like the way extreme beliefs can go. So I don't know if that's just their way of kind of spreading it out, spreading the love, if you will, uh, by introducing the sheet, the hole in the sheet. Unless there is something in the, the Christian Bible about that as well. I don't know. Well, I, I Googled because I, I had a vague thought that it had something to do with Mormonism as well. Ooh. So I Googled Mormon sheet and it suggested um, Morgan, Mormon sheet music. But then the first one is an article on stupid.com that says Mormons have marital relations through a hole in the sheet. Oh. But then the next post is myths about Mormonism that, dis- that persist despite blah, blah, blah. So who knows if it's actually a thing. But then it also suggests, Google suggests to me, sheet with whole Catholic as another thing. Oh. Um, now I mostly, and, yeah. I mean, full disclosure, I mostly know about it from Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, when he has sex with an Orthodox Jew and it's through a, a sheet. <laughs> right. Yes, uh, that is also here on Google. So, but I get, you know, they're all Abrahamic religions. It's probably in there if you look in the book somewhere. Otherwise. I just, it's just so weird that people would make that up afterwards unless it was mentioned at some point. But hey, that's how that's religion for you. Just make things up. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it was sort of a weird thing because uh, the commander certainly doesn't do that when he tries to uh, impregnate a handmaid. But then they have their whole own little ritual for that. And I don't know if we've seen other people have sex consensually with their wives. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I guess before that, backtrack a little bit. Uh, what a great, awkward scene when Serena invites the other handmaids over. And you know, we we talk a lot. Well, not just us, but in general, people talk about oneers a lot. Like it's always, you know, yep. shows and movies go for these impressive oneers. Like uh, I think True Detective had a great one in season one course there's the the oneers and goodfellas like when they're going through the back of the copa but even though there's not a lot of technical camera stuff going on here this is all in one shot and it's really impressive just because it's like you have what it's like six or seven actors all in one scene and they're kind of hitting their marks and it they're hitting that right tone of like awkward uh, it's like it's not quite your boss hanging out with you and your friends, but it, it is almost that. I mean, it's worse, yeah. obviously, because it's yes. this handmade mistress or wife or what have you. And it's such a smart, it's so smartly written the way they get to that point of how uh, June's talking about, oh, you remember that restaurant over uh, on Beacon Hill or whatever she says? And then uh, Serena remembers the name of it. And it's like, oh, yeah, like not too long ago, we may have all been shopping at the same coffee shop. And now we're in this horrible situation. Yeah. And just to add to it. Hey, Offglen, what do you think? <laughs> oh, Speak yeah. up, Offglen. <laughs> Cat got your tongue, Offglen? Yes. 
Um, and it's kind of like, and I, I thought maybe she doesn't know, but then she has this look of like realizing, and it's like, ooh, awkward. Mm. <laughs> My society I made, get out your tongue. I forgot about that. And she's acting like, hey, let's hang out and have a little bit of girl time. And it's like, you, and then that's sort of a slap in the face of that, of like, hey, uh, you got no tongue over there. And then June says, you know, hey, want to feel the baby? Which Serena, that that's her baby in her mind. So of course that doesn't make her feel great. And you're right, it's a it's a wonder. It doesn't have the true detective run around with a gun type thing <laughs> that's impressive. But it is impressive in the way the longer the scene goes on, the more it feels like a moving painting. Um, also because of their choice of uh, color in in that, this show is always super deliberate. I mean, there's a lot of red, but uh, in general, it all works into the composition and uh, the movement of it. It's better than a painting because it moves. I'm a bit <laughs> uh, partial, of course, because they run a TV podcast. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a very nice oneer that's stationary without getting boring at all because it all fuels the scene. Yes, and and because. I mean, usually you wouldn't have it be this one shot like that because it has to be well-written and obviously well-acted to not feel like it's dragging. Like, it's really hard to just have people talking in one shot without it feeling like it's boring. But with the situation and the way it's written and the way they're nailing it, it all comes together and it's really impressive. Yeah, and I mean, I've done that, by the way. I've tried to make something like this. And we had to fucking cut. We had to do jump cuts in it because it was fucking boring. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, it's hard. Um, and then, I mean, we see Serena kind of um, going to her greenhouse, her garden a lot. I guess that's where she goes to think and uh, play things out, apparently. And it's interesting because it's almost like we're supposed to somehow feel sorry for her when she's a monster. Uh, but they're almost, they were almost getting me. Like they were almost getting me to root for them having this weird alliance, if you will, where maybe Serena would kind of, uh, give June a break here or there, but you know, it all comes to a head when, I mean, she's, she's showing June the fucking nursery where she's going to raise the kids she steals from her. Yeah. Uh, and so June kind of feels like maybe this is an opportunity where I can ask for one thing just to see my daughter, Hannah. And to Serena, it's like, I give you an inch and you take a mile. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's really like, oh, the impudence. Like, that's like it, it's even just that she's asking about that is the worst thing, I guess. Um not like when she it's almost as bad as when she ran away for months <laughs> yeah 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 um so yeah but it's like for a second i guess i almost thought she was going to do it like i almost thought that she would kind of give her this one thing but then it was clear like oh no no, no she's not going to do that um and yeah i think she even does when she's talking to fred or commander fred later where she is kind of saying basically that like oh she just wants, she just takes and takes and takes and all the good things I do for her. I mean, we haven't talked a bit about um, how we st- we get some more scenes in this episode with June and uh, the commander and kind of mm-hmm. back to their uh, weird relationship that they have where, you know, June is doing what she can to kind of get what she, to get something out of this ordeal. Uh, so she has to kind of be a little flirty with the commander uh, and like, I guess manipulate him the best she can. Uh, And then of course he's just a weird perv about it. Yeah, of course. Uh, Like, I mean, that comes to a head when he does give her the picture of Hannah. Yeah. um, And sort of re, I mean, like she says, we haven't talked. I've been back. Oh, it's been so long. And sort of throwing out some feelers there. And he's sort of like, yeah, she gives the classic, like, are you mad at me? Like, yeah. it's such a classic relationship thing. I mean, clearly they're not in, like, a real relationship. But, yeah, it's just an interesting choice there. Yes. And uh, then he, he does give the picture and uh, wants more. Uh, but, he, I mean, 
she is uh, playing her cards right because she says she's worried about the baby. And I think not only does she obviously not want to have any type of intercourse with this fucking weirdo, not only that, but also denying him that, which he wants, is actually going to make him want it more or want to please her more as well. Because Mm -hmm. as we saw in season one, when he does take her to a weird brothel club and all these things, it's sort of him asserting his ownership of her um, because he started to see the handmaids as sort of toys more or less uh, for him. And this is him, this is her adding to her own value of like, oh no, for the baby. And he doesn't go, I mean, he's not mad about that. He's like, yeah, of course, sorry. Like, I I don't know if she says sorry, but he he totally backs off and that's going to grow in his head. He's already gotten to this point where he's sworn to Serena and his whole career is on the line because they don't like it when you mess with handmaids, you get your hands cut off, man. Um and he's still doing this, and now he doesn't even get what he wanted out of it, so that's just going to grow. Yes, no, absolutely. And um, we also, I mean, uh, after uh, Serena shuts her down, she does kind of send Offred back to her room, get your stuff, like get your stuff out of my sitting room. Like things are kind of getting a little bit more back to normal. And then Offred and Nick have some talks. And I'm always like, I'm way more nervous when they're having these discussions, even if it, even at night when she's burning letters and he comes up because it's like, dude, someone's going to smell that burning paper or like, dude, you're only upstairs. Serena's right downstairs and they're having these discussions. I get it's a TV show. They kind of have to do it. But I'm always deathly afraid that someone is just going to walk right in and hear this discussion they're having. But uh, it is great to see kind of old June back because she has a great line where she's like, Oh, you have to fuck someone you don't want to. You poor thing. Uh, (laughs) And and it's a small victory. It's like another small victory. I'm like, yes, that's June. Like, that's the June uh, we know and love. Uh, Because it is kind of like, oh, no, you have to, like, have sex with a young girl. Fuck you, (laughs) you piece of shit. Yes, a young girl who wants to have sex with you even. (laughs) Um, I mean, I guess the commander wants to, too. So that's not (laughs) a good point for me. Yeah. But, um Yes, I mean we we sort of skimmed past. I mean, you you, you meant that you're more afraid than the characters, right? By the oh, way, yes. like because yeah. they they seem like they're not worried at all. And even in this episode in the sitting room, Rita sort of has to clear her throat to get their attention. No, not Rita. Uh, Martha has to clear her throat to get their attention when she comes in with the soup and everything. And they're kind of like, oh yeah, hmm, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so you're right. You're absolutely yeah, right. I'm they're always afraid sort of... they're gonna get caught. Like something's gonna happen because yeah, they're just having these discussions they're basically saying like we have a secret love and we have sex behind everyone's back and you know we we, we've been uh, plotting a revolution and i mean additionally serena knows or yeah the commander knows and serena knows martha probably knows too everyone knows except fucking eden of course um Mm. knows that that she that nick is the father of the baby and um if if the handmaid escapes Maybe you'd start wondering how that happened. Yeah. Maybe you start like looking around, like who has an interest in getting this baby out of here? Like, how has no one thought of that? Is what I want to know. Well, I gotta wonder. I mean, I'm. I guess I'm not a hundred percent that they know. Oh wait, no, because wait, Serena set them up. Wait, what happened yeah, in the first arra- season? Serena That's arranged right. it. No, you're right. So. You're right. Now I'm not hundred percent. Then the the commander knows. But I'm pretty sure it, Serena told him because. But I thought was, she, she told like, them they had a connection. But did she explicitly say like it was his baby? Oh, when they had a fight. Uh, was it when they had a fight that she said it to hurt him? I forget. I thought so, but I, yes, we should. I mean, we're doing a podcast. We should. We should. We should know yeah. this stuff. Please do uh, email us at shows what you know show at gmail dot com. Tell us what's up. Well, um, either way, at the very least, the commander knows there's a connection there, and that's why he's like obviously trying to get rid of him. Uh, yep. But you're you're completely right. Like if she goes missing, uh, maybe that's the first place you'd look. Although at least Nick does have some connections in higher places, and I feel like in a way, if we get towards as we're getting towards the ending here, I think that's why it takes a little bit of steam out of the ending for me is because I think it's clear that this is happening to throw a monkey wrench into Nick's plan because Nick. Yeah. Nick speaks to, I mean, like, I guess the higher up commander, because in the background of this episode, they've been setting up a new facility 
for handmaids and it's like you know it's a far cry from the gymnasium or whatever they were using before it looks like they kind of have this nice fancy new building where they're going to be teaching handmaids and housing them or whatever it is they do nice place for uh aunt lydia to hold things down but beforehand nick does go up to his connection and he kind of says there's issues here uh at fred's place we need to protect protect the handmaid and he's like, uh, say no more. Like, you know, uh, it'll be done with. But I feel like this explosion is going to throw a monkey wrench into that. And I, I feel like Fred's going to come out fine on the other end. But maybe this older gentleman who has power is not. I mean, Fred is going to be promoted after this yes. uh, is the thing. And um, why? Do, what is Nick's plan? Because he says, reassign me. He wants to get away from there. But that's like the one advantage they have is that they can have these little meetings that no one apparently ever thinks to walk in on. Um, and he sa- he does say, promise you'll protect the handmaid. But he's- And he says, there are things I haven't told you about him. So yeah, maybe he was going to take the commander down in some way. But none of that really gets June out of there. And uh, even saying, like, promise you'll protect the handmaid, it's like, yeah, it's still one of the Gilead guys, remember? Like, <laughs> she's not going to be that protected. So I don't know what the plan is. What do you think? I, I From what I read from it is that, yeah, it was something that was going to basically te- take Fred out and... I mean, I guess to the extension of that would be Serena as well. Um, and that's why I protect the handmaid. I mean, she'd have to be protected either way because she's pregnant. So even if like there was some sort of power shakeup where they where they were where he was gonna lose his commander status, uh, they would protect June just because she's gonna have a baby, I would imagine. But yeah, I mean, uh, the, that's why this this Ofglen situation is gonna throw gonna completely fix mm. that. And yeah, uh, the Fred's gonna be the new like head commander or whatever the top top brass Ugh. is. Yeah, you're totally right. Ugh. Yeah, but uh, I mean, also the plan was still bad. Maybe it's Stockholm syndrome, but I'm really like. Uh, another family wouldn't would be at least as bad i'm sure like yeah no that's not true i'm sure another family would be uh probably better in some ways but it's like you're still in gilead you're like maybe get a family closer to the canadian border like what the (laughs) fuck are you gonna do yeah no exactly i can't i mean i guess uh serena is probably a little bit more sadistic uh than some of the other wives but i can't imagine to be that much better of a situation and it, 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 it almost is kind of like the devil you know, uh, rather than going into a potentially worse situation. Uh, but I assume Nick had a plan that would extend beyond that, but we're not going to see that. Uh, and I, we did, you mentioned it a little bit before that. We do kind of see Serena versus Offred is kind of, you know, here we are, round two. Like, they're yeah. back to their old ways. She's throwing uh, knitting needles on the floor to make make uh, June pick them up, and she's doing it in front of Nick's wife. And I, I did forget that she... I, I knew, obviously, Serena knew about Nick and June's connection because they even make... They made a thing about it in an earlier episode where she saw them, like, trading glances. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess maybe to her it's worse that there's more of like a connection than what she thought was just like a, I'm going to make them have sex so she gets pregnant type of deal. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's worse that there's some budding romance and that's why I like this is twisting the knife extra because she wants uh, Nick's wife to also kind of, hey, you, you order the handmaid around too. It's fun. This is a good time for all. Yes. And I mean, she does sort of stoke the flames because she goes to uh, Waterford Uh, to the commander and uh he's not really listening to her at one point and she just sort of mentions like oh uh nick was waiting for us when we got back he's uh so nice right that he's taking that he's taking care he's such a good guy and i think it's after that that he tries to reassign him and everything Uh, yes but all of that is like the stakes are so low for me as far as like because he was already going to get reassigned because Waterford wanted it. Then he went and said, like, I'll tell you about Waterford if you reassign me. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay, yeah. like, so you both wanted that. So that could still happen then, and Offred will still be uh, not in a great place. Well, it also, I mean, it was a reminder, at least when it was like, you know, the previously on. It was a reminder that they had put Nick specifically in that situation to keep an eye on Waterford. So it made more yeah. sense on why the guy was like, Oh, he's pretty good. You should keep him. Like, I don't know why you want to send him to Washington because, yeah. you know, it's very deliberate that he's there to get some dirt on him. 
And so now Nick is holding that, uh, holding that in front of him as like, okay, you know, I, I got the dirt, so protect the handmaid, but don't worry, everyone's going to get blown up here, and uh, we'll be back at it again in episode seven. Yes. And, uh, I mean, the ending, there's a lot of weirdos in suits, and um, it's that they keep talking about how important it is, and I don't get exactly the details. I mean, obviously, it's like commanders from all sorts of districts, or and or whatever, but I still don't know how big Gilead is. If it is all of the U.S. and how much of it is it in a nuclear wasteland or whatever. Um, so so it's a bit it's a bit tricky. But either way, it doesn't matter because the visual storytelling is here. We got all these guys in suits. Like you get it. These are all and they're all greeted very formally. And this is a big deal. So that tells us what we need to know for when Offglen comes up and does her dramatic explosion which is still a fuck yeah moment even if oh, when we know it's probably not going to change so much yeah no it's totally a fuck yeah moment it is still a great moment uh especially like how we've talked about there's been such so much misery um it, it didn't quite hit for me as well as like in season one when uh emily was like running over the guards and shit like yeah. that i was like hell yeah but it's still a great moment and i like how when she comes in and stupid waterford's like uh, he just thinks she's dumb. He's like, oh, tell her it's not time yet. Like He's like, yeah, kind of yeah. waves her off. Like, oh, tell her it's not time yet. Oh, the dumb handmaid already came in. You're not supposed to come in yet. And, I mean, it's played out great. She turns around and shows the trigger, and then the handmaids go running, and then the building blows up. Uh, so it is a kick-ass way to end an episode, an episode for sure. Well, well, the one on the bottom, the ones on the bottom floor do. We do see oh, that yeah. when the explosion goes off, the ones on the top floor just sort of get flung <laughs> against the glass, um, which gives me hope that uh, you know a lot of them probably got taken out. But at the same time, that's probably just going to make fucking Waterford like the supreme leader or whatever. It's going to be the same effect as the uh, yeah, as when fucking uh, Serena got shot. And um, suddenly all eyes were on them, and suddenly all your power is concentrated in this one place. Great. That'll be great. I guess it means at some point if you uh, kill him, I mean, there will just be two more heads of the snake, I suppose. But (laughs) uh, maybe this is putting us in a position where Waterford has even more power. So if... I don't know, Alfred saws his head off at one point, like the biggest fuck yeah moment. It's like not only killing him, but it's killing Gilead maybe. Yeah, yeah, I could totally see that for sure. Uh, but I mean, it, it they're giving us these small things in these, pa- well, I mean, well, that's obviously a big thing, the the suicide bombing, but like we were talking about in the previous episode as well, a couple small things. So we're starting to get some hell yeah moments. Hopefully we get a little bit more, but it does seem like we're probably going to get some... Uh, a little bit more misery before we get what we want. So just tune in oh, yeah. for another Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and another Gilead Gazette. And don't tune into any other sources on the web about the Handmaid's Tale because they will spoil you even in a headline like say, oh, the climax of this episode was the biggest <laughs> twist ever. And then I'm sitting there trying to concentrate on the plot when I'm just like, when is this fucking thing happening? And then I see... That they're all heading into this big event, and I'm like, well, clearly this fucking explosion or some shit is going to fucking... So just tune into Gilead Gazette. You can find us on iTunes or your favorite podcatching app. You can also find Westworld Theories, yes, that is the name of the show, uh, Mm. on your favorite podcast app, where we discuss Westworld Season 2 currently. That's Westworld Theories. And all of our shows are, of course, available at Shows What You Know, Com. Um, what else, Jim? Well, you can find more from Jacob at awesomepedia.org. Uh, all kinds of good content and uh, podcast, music, videos. Um, and you can also find more from me at jimandthem.com. Uh, the same deal. Stop the presses!